Father, I ask in the next few moments that you would bond our minds and our hearts together, that we might come to you in prayer. I pray, dear God, that you would transition us as you've already begun from a world that is a world that is so alienated from you that we might have a very special time with you this morning. You've begun a very good work in us. For you, dear God, have put your hand on us. And you have drawn us into a saving relationship through Jesus Christ. And that in itself is a miracle. But you, by grace, have done that for us. We're now part of your family, Lord. We're your children because you've ordained that and because you have made it possible for us. And we've come together this morning to thank you and to worship you and to even learn more about you that we might walk more closely with you in the days ahead. What a gesture of love. What an act of compassion. What a loving Heavenly Father you really are. Father, you know where we've been this last week. You know every word that we've said. You know every act that has taken place. You know, dear God, what we have thought in our minds and hidden from others. And not a one of us has been completely and fully the kind of person you want us to be. So, Lord, I pray in these precious moments that for myself and for my brothers and sisters that it would be a disarming time. A time, dear God, when we would allow the things that would be spiritual roadblocks for them to just be put aside. In the areas of our life that we have resisted and that we have said no to you and where we have not listened, I pray, dear God, that you'd forgive us for those. And I pray in this time that they would be a washing clean once again through the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would have the freedom to work in us and through us when we leave this place in a way that he has not had in the past. Father, we have an assurance from you that if we ask for forgiveness, that through the shed blood of Christ, that forgiveness is complete. And no matter how bad our sins may have been, the death of Jesus on a cross and the shedding of his blood is sufficient that we might be forgiven. And that we might be united with you now and eternally. Help us to enjoy that forgiveness, Lord. And then with a new determination, help us to live our life to say thank you. Thank you for that love. 
Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Father, it seems like every week when we come together and we start to pray that my mind, and I'm sure the minds of many others, are filled with current events. There are things going on in our families. There are things going on in our neighborhoods. There are things going on in our state and in our country that most assuredly must break your heart. Your intention was to create Adam and Eve and to create us in their likeness that we might enjoy you all the days of our life. And sin has sure messed that up. I pray for us, Lord. I pray for us individually and corporately and and pray that we might be the individuals in the church that you want us to be. That others might know us by our loving obedience. And others might see in us a people who honor their God. And I pray that you would help us as a church to reach other people, that we might be used by you to work a miracle in them like you've worked in us. Father, I stop and think about our children and our moms and dads and brothers and sisters who wear uniforms and even are in harm's way as I speak. I thank you, dear God, that you're the one who raises them up, even in a voluntary army or police department. And on behalf of all of us, Lord, I call out and ask you to use what goes on in their lives to bring them closer to you. I thank you, Lord, that no matter what's going on, no matter how tragic it may be or no matter how challenging it is, that if we stop and look, we can see you in that event and know that you are mightily at work and know that you're drawing us and others closer to you. I pray for our country, Father. I pray for the leadership from our president all the way down to the community that we live in. And I don't ask you to let them be successful, Lord. Instead, I ask that you do a work in them that they might come to know you more perfectly. And that their lives would be changed and that they'd have new hearts and want to serve you. And Lord, we know that's possible. For all things are possible with you. So that's our prayer, Father. Change them that we might see a ripple effect across this land in the lives of other people. And most of all, Father, help us to remember, day and night, day in and out, how much you love us and how you have already demonstrated that love. Draw us close, I pray. Give us your mind and your heart, for we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We're going to look at the sixth chapter this morning at the first four verses. And please, if you're visiting with us, our practice is that you keep your Bible open in your lap and that you follow along as I move through the passage so you can see why I'm saying what I'm saying. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and we're going to begin with the first verse. Once you've found your place, put your finger in your Bible and look up so I'll know we're ready to continue. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the sixth chapter, starting with the first verse. Let's pray. Father, we come with open hands and open arms asking that your word would speak to us. We know, dear God, the potential for it to be so powerful in our lives that it would change us. I pray, dear God, that you'd now help us to hear it and to be receptive to it and to hold it close to us as we leave this place and for us to take it back out during the week and relive it and put it to work in our daily lives. Please bless the reading and preaching of your word, for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to relive an experience I had, okay? I got off the airplane sometime back out here in Atlanta, and as I got off an airplane, like everybody else, I just wanted to get my suitcase and and get out of the airport. And I was coming down the concourse on the way back into the terminal, and I looked up, and there was a man and his son walking in front of me. The man was uh, probably five foot ten, five foot eleven, and the boy was about that high. And they were just kind of taking long strides down the concourse. And I looked carefully, and the father had a black shirt on with rhinestones. The little boy had a black shirt on with rhinestones. That caught my attention. So I started looking closely, and I realized that the father had a wallet stuck in his pocket, and part of the leather of the wallet was sticking up, and he had a chain on it. And the chain went around to a belt loop, and I looked at the little boy, and he had a wallet sticking out of his back pocket. It was sticking up about that far, and the chain was a little longer on him, and it hooked on a belt loop. And I kind of smiled, and I watched a little closer, and I got down to their boots. And the father had his black pants kind of stuffed in the top of his boots. And I looked over at the little boy, and his were stuffed in the top of his. And I looked back up, and Pop had a cowboy hat on. And it was kind of perched on the back of his head. And you know where the little boy's hat was. It was perched on the back of his head. And Pop was walking like he had just gotten off a 30-day ride on a horse. And guess how the little boy was walking? Just a little bow-legged. And I looked at that and I thought, isn't that cute? And then I realized that about every fifth or sixth step, the little boy was doing that because he couldn't take as long a stride as his daddy, and he was trying to catch up. And every now and then, the little boy would look up at his dad, and you know what he was doing? He was checking his pop out. He was looking for his dad to smile and nod at him and say, you're doing good, son. 
you're doing good. You know, children watch us. They learn from us. And there are all kinds of examples of children that have learned wonderful, beautiful lessons from moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads and aunts and uncles and even neighbors, from school teachers, from other people. And they watch. But we've seen an example just recently in Boston of a couple of sons who watched mom and dad and learned some terrible lessons. And that goes on also. The children are no less observant. The question is, what is it they're going to learn from us? And how are they going to live their lives? Friday night, my wife and I did what we do frequently and brings a lot of joy to us. We spent an evening with our grandchildren who live in the Columbia area and with the adults in our family there and with four or five other young folks, some college age, some high school age, some middle school age. And I thought about the passage I'm preaching from today, and I thought, I need to be an example. Because they watch me even when I don't know they're watching. Just like they watch you. And we don't know it. So the question is, what are we teaching our children? What are they learning from us? If we want them to be what Scripture teaches they ought to be, it starts with us. And it starts with us being a positive role model. And it starts with us being obedient to Scripture. And then they are much more likely to follow our example. Would you agree with that? Let's look at the biblical guidelines that God gives to children. And keep in mind that we are the example that helps them do this. I'm going to read beginning with the first verse of chapter 6 in Ephesians. And I'm going to read the first four four verses. Follow along as I read and listen as God speaks to us. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. If you look at the very first verse, God is speaking specifically to children. And we need to remind our kids that God speaks to them, God has expectations for them, God has biblical guidelines for them, that he is their heavenly father. And all of their life, they will benefit if we tell them that and and help them understand that he's our father and that he is their father and that he speaks directly to all of us. In this case, he says, children, obey your parents. Obey. You know, it's instinctive in us not to want to obey. Have you all come to that conclusion? It's just built into us. It's called sin nature. It's that original sin. And we constantly want to keep pushing at it. We constantly want to keep testing at it. And sometimes we just blatantly say, I don't want to do that. And no matter what, I don't want to do it. Some folks who live next door to us have a couple of dogs. I give them dog bones. 
I go into their yard to do it because there's an invisible fence buried and it shocks them if they try to come across. For a long time, one of those dogs would walk up to that invisible fence and he, I'm sure, was aware that fence was electrified. And you could almost tell he was thinking about it. And then he'd come across that fence line. He wanted that dog biscuit so bad, he wouldn't wait for me to get to him. And it would shock him, and you could tell he'd kind of jerk. But you know, he wouldn't go back in the yard, but he'd come across. He'd be disobedient because he wanted something so badly. There's not a whole lot of difference between that little gray dog and most of us. When we decide we want something, we're disobedient. Children have to learn to be obedient. They're not born into this world knowing how to do that any more than you and I were born into the world knowing how to be obedient. And there's some ways that we can teach them to be obedient. So when they're adults and on their own, they will still look to a vertical relationship between them and God and want to be obedient because it's what God wants. Paul says to us, children, obey your parents. It means listen. It means be aware and consider. And it means be faithful. You know why a child has to be faithful to be obedient? They've got to trust mom and dad. And they've got to trust God. For when we tell them to do something and encourage them to do something, for them to be responsive is so helpful if they know we are trustworthy. If they know we are really doing what we're doing in their best interest. You ever have a mom or dad say to you right before they spank you, this hurts me more than it will hurt you? I never believe that. Not, not ever. But I know something as an adult. They were trying to set parameters for me. Trying to teach me that there are boundaries in life. And they were working with me, helping me to even be broken of that sin nature so that when the Holy Spirit moved on me, he didn't encounter a totally rebellious person. Did you all follow that? You see, it has a spiritual benefit when you and I help model for our kids and teach them to be obedient. We're preparing them for that moment when they're encountered by the grace of God And they need to surrender. And if they've been taught the lessons that Christ wants us to teach them, they'll be ready to surrender and not just be rebellious. He says, children, obey your parents. There's a unique relationship that moms and dads have with their children. I have a relationship with my grandchildren. I have a relationship with other children. It's not the same as what mom and dad have with them. That is truly an anointed, sanctified relationship. It is a relationship that God has established, and God wants to work through mom and dad, and he wants the children to be obedient to mom and dad. Surely, children are to be obedient to a lot of other authorities. And folks, there's a lot of that falling apart in our society today. If we want them to be obedient and 
listen to teachers and to police officers and to others. It's got to start in the home. A lot of us are empty nesters. How does that apply to us? If you have children in your family, you have an opportunity to witness. We've done a terrible thing, and I'm probably going to offend some of you, but I've done it also. Our vocations have caused us to leave our families and to move all over this country and all over this world. And I do believe that God gave grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and nieces and nephews to be part of a nuclear family that's there for each other, in part to model, in part to hold accountable, in part to show love, so that our kids can grow up in a healthy environment. And for some not very good reasons, I and many of you have moved away from family. And I believe it's a contributing factor to some of the instability we see in our society today. We need that accountability. We need that role modeling. We need to learn. And family is a part of that. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. This isn't just, I demand that you do this so you do it. It's God's idea. And we do it for spiritual reasons. We do it to help a child be ready for an ongoing relationship with God, whereas an adult like us, they can turn to God and depend on him and have faith in him. So we need to convey to them that this is of the Lord. This isn't just mom or dad telling you what to do. And he says, for this is right. How I yearn to hear people say, that's wrong, that's right. And stop saying, well, I'm not sure, it's kind of gray. There's so many things in life, particularly the things taught in Scripture, they're either right or wrong. You either do them or you don't do them. And we need to convey that in a healthy and graceful way to each generation so they will respect that which is right and will want to do it and teach it to the next generation. Do you understand? It's all a spiritual matter. God says the second thing to our children. In verse 2, he says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And here's the promise. So that it will be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Anybody who doesn't want to have it well with you, that's something we all yearn for. We want to somehow find peace and comfort We want to find relationships that are healthy relationships. We want to smile when we get up in the morning and go to bed with a smile. And sometimes that's hard to do. But the Lord is saying, here's one of the keys. He says, children, honor your father and mother. Value your father and mother. I've been in homes where dad speaks inappropriately to mother. You know what you hear next? Children speaking inappropriately to mom, not honoring. If dad honors mom, children will be taught to. My daddy taught me a lesson one time, and I'm not going to tell you all the gruesome details, but he he explained to me one afternoon that the lady who lived in our house might be my mother, but it was his wife. 
And because it was his wife, there were some things that I would do. And there's some things I was not allowed to do. I was never allowed to touch her in any form of anger. And dad didn't. I was never allowed to raise my voice to my mother because dad didn't. And he was not going to allow another male to do that to his wife. Does that ring true? When you honor someone, you look at them and you see the value in them. And when you see the value in someone, you treat them right. You treat them with respect. All the days of your life. It has a way of changing a little bit as we grow older, but it doesn't change in that we stop honoring them. It changes in that some priorities change in our life. And when we get married, husband and wife come before mom and dad. But it doesn't deny this commandment that we're to honor them. He says to us, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment. You know why I think Paul slipped that in? He's saying this isn't something new. This is something God devised in the very beginning. He gave it to Moses. Moses put it into the Ten Commandments as God etched that for him. And it's been with us ever since. So what God is saying is, here's a principle to live by all the days of your life, and I've intended it for every generation. And no matter what happens out there, no matter how culture changes, no matter what the norms in culture are, here's one of the things that's right. Honor your father and your mother. I do... um, Police chaplaincy work. Some of you already know that. I've been doing it for a little over 20 years. And what that means is I have a ministry to an entire police department. And God has blessed that. And by his grace, I've seen a number of people come to faith. Um, A number of them attend church today who had not attended church in the past. One of the things that pleases my heart is I ride in a car with them. When I get ready to get out of a car and get in another car, every officer in the department holds hands with me and prays before I get out of the car. Every one of them. When I walk into the police department, many of them hug me. I've been there longer than all but two of them because there's a pretty good turnover. One night I went with an officer to a home on a domestic problem. When he knocked on the door, you could hear mom and daughter in the house. There was a very loud debate going on of who was going to answer the door. Finally, the teenage daughter came to the door, and she yanked the door open, and she looked at a uniformed officer, and she said, What do you want? Well, folks, my daddy would have yanked me back in there and closed the door because you didn't talk like that to adults and particularly people in authority. The police officer very kindly said, is your mother home? And she didn't say yes or no. She turned around and screamed at the top of her voice. There's some man who wants to see you. And from another room, there was a screaming voice that came back and said, who is it? And she screamed back and said, it's a cop. The mother comes out 
And she's not a happy camper. And she comes to the front door, and when she realizes it really is a police officer, she said, oh, can I help you? And her whole demeanor changed. The police officer did what he had gone to do, and as we walked away, I told him how sad it was to see the daughter acting like the father and mother. The daughter did not honor or value mom. And mom had taught her not to do that. And you can just see it being passed from generation to generation. Children, honor your father and mother. And he said there's a promise that's given. The promise is that things will go well with you. Does that mean you'll have a perfect life? Not this side of heaven, you're not. Does that mean you'll be able to manage on this side of heaven? Yes, it does. Because you're going to be walking in the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is going to help you. He's going to be your constant companion. And when things happen that seem impossible to you, he'll be there for you. And when tears, warm tears, start to run down your cheek, he'll be there to help wipe them away. Because he loves you. And because that love's not going anywhere. And when you honor your father and mother, you're putting yourself in a position where you can get the maximum benefit from the presence of God. I find it curious, he says, and your days will be long on earth. Okay. I don't know what to say about that. Um, If they're going to be long on earth, I'd like them to be good. Wouldn't you? If you look on down, he then shifts to the father. And it's important to notice he doesn't say father and mother. He doesn't use the Greek word that we would translate father and mother. He uses a Greek word that is specifically father. God wants to talk to dads. And he said, fathers, do not provoke your children. Any of you remember Willie B.? Anybody? Am I the only one here that ever saw Willie B.? Thank you, Al. (coughs) Willie B. was a a gorilla named after William B. Hartsfield, who I think was the mayor of Atlanta at one time. Willie B. came to the Atlanta Zoo while I lived in Atlanta, and, you know, I had to go out there and look at Willie B., and in those days they had him in a building, and they had bars, and he was right on the other side of the bars. And I would just sit there. I'd never seen anything quite like that. And I thought that was rather amazing. And, you know, sometimes he would sit there and just go right back at me. Well, there were a lot of people sitting around looking at Willie B. You couldn't really carry on a conversation with him, so you'd look at him. Well, the last time I was there, I was interested to see that there's now plexiglass on his side of the bars. And I asked why, and you know what one of the attendants said? Because people would poke him. They would poke things through the bars and agitate him. And he just wanted to sit there and look at us. I'd love to know what he thought when he looked at us. But folks had provoked him so much that he became angry. The Lord is saying to us, fathers, Don't poke your kids. Don't verbally or physically or any other way 
provoke them. We're adults, they're children. We need to be disciplined in our behavior. We need to think through and pray about our children. And we need to do things that will help them to mature and to know the Lord and not be angry people. I read an article, as I'm sure you have, about the bombing in Boston where they said they have now discovered part of the cause. And part of the cause is that the older brother was angry at our federal government. Is there anybody here who's 100% happy with what goes on in our country? That's not justification for striking out at innocent people or even guilty people. There's some anger that was in that older brother that somehow got communicated to that younger brother. Somehow there was some provoking that went on in home, in somewhere, that produced a young man who was very, very angry. And when you're angry, you stop thinking about other people. And you get consumed by your own emotion. And that's when you hurt other people. The Lord is saying, don't provoke your children to anger. Because nothing good will come from that. Then he gives a couple of positives. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, I'm sorry, most of us are too busy making money and taking care of our families financially to do that. So what we do is we turn that over to the moms. Did you see that in that verse? Did it say, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up through the guidance of their mother in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Is that what that said? God is very specific. A mama has a role in the family, and a father has the role in a family, and both are essential. And one of the important things is for the dad to be the spiritual leader in the family. And that's not the case with many of us, where our dads were not spiritual leaders. When the father, who is a mature Christian, starts to help his son or daughter to understand spiritual things. They're going to be like the little boy and the man in the airport, and they're going to be like a sponge, and they're just going to suck it all up, and it's going to become part of them. And it happens because we're the father. It happens because we have more exposure time, potentially, to our children than anyone other than their mama. So, where to discipline our children. Discipline. Teach them the difference between right and wrong. Teach them what those boundaries are. Explain to them consequences if they breach those boundaries. And then not in anger, but because you love them, to discipline them. As unpopular as it is today, I believe Scripture teaches there's a time that you physically discipline a child. It is by no means the first thing you do. It is by no means the second thing you do. There's a place and a time for that in a controlled and loving way. 
Did you get spanked much as a child? Did you? I only got a couple. I remember them. I didn't want another one. You see, it was a blessing. Certainly at the time, I didn't think that was a blessing, but it is a blessing when your dad loves you enough to say, okay, I told you this would be the consequence. You breached it. Now I'm going to discipline you. And to do it in moderation and to do it in love and never to do it in anger, but for the child to know that is the ultimate punishment. Now, if you'd like to debate that with me privately, I would be happy for you to meet with Linda and talk to her about it. (laughs) And then he says, and instruction. It's so important for us to explain to our children the things of God. And there's something unique about it when it comes from Dad. Deuteronomy 6 tells a really beautiful story of how dads are to be so familiar with the Scriptures and with the Word of God that they, as if, wore it on their forehead and on their arm where it's visible. That they would mark the outside of their house on their doorpost with it. That everybody who passes that way would know that this is a man of the Word and a man of God. And what we're being told in Scripture is part of the function of a father is to so be filled with the Word of God that we communicate that, not just in a formal way, not by saying, well, let me tell you what the Word says, but by the way we live our very life, and the children absorb that from us. God has a wonderful, wonderful opportunity that he gives mamas and daddies and grandmamas and granddaddies and aunts and uncles. He says, here are some human beings that I'm entrusting to you. And here's some guidelines on how to raise them. When you come in contact with a child, God says, you have the potential to love them so much that you'll teach them about me. And you'll help them live an orderly life. And you'll help them to know the difference between right and wrong. I hope this series has been of some help. Uh, I'm going to do two more sermons on the family. I'm going to do one in a couple of weeks when it's Mother's Day. I'm going to do another one in June, the third week of June, when it's Daddy's Day. And now, every now and then, I'm going to come back to the topic. If there's anything in our society that needs help, it's the family. And the closer you and I get to the biblical model, the more help and hope there is for our kids and our kids' kids. Please, I challenge you and encourage you, go back and read the Ephesians passages that we've done the last four weeks and keep them close to your heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word that you give to us, in this case through the Apostle Paul. I thank you, Lord, for the obedience of your own son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. I thank you, Lord, that he came to live and to die and to live again. I thank you, Lord, that you give us an opportunity 
to come to know Jesus and in turn to come to know you. And I pray, Father, that you would touch anyone who's with us today, that you would call today to be yours, and they, they would be moved to say something to me or to one of the officers of our church. Thank you, dear Father, for caring about us. And 2,000 years ago, to have written something that has so much application today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Someone.